Kingdom Hearts fans, and welcome to part 2 of my latest Kingdom Hearts mini-series, where I rank the Keyblades from worst to best. Last time, I talked about the Keyblades from KH1, so if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend doing so before listening to this one, because I'll be making references every now and then. But basically, I found the Keyblades from KH1 to be decent for the most part, though I feel like in Kingdom Hearts 2 we truly got to see the Keyblades shine, which is where this episode comes in. I'll be ranking the Keyblades from Kingdom Hearts 2 from worst to best. These Keyblades will be judged based on their designs, attributes, and how you obtain them. And just like before, I'm only sticking to Keyblades that only we, the players, can obtain. The following Keyblades that won't be included are The Kingdom Key D, Waited Dawn, Destiny Embrace, and Ends of Earth, as well as the Struggle Sword, Hammer, and Wand, respectively. Those Keyblades I mentioned were either only shown in cutscenes, or used by other characters that we can't normally play as. And no, I'm not counting those moments where you play as Mickey if you lose against a certain boss, or that moment where you play as Riku to save Sora during the final boss against Xemnas. Meanwhile, the Struggle Bats are just bats. Really, they don't have any significance other than being the shit out of Hainer, Setzer, and Cypher in Twilight Town. Enough said. Once more, everything I say is just my opinion, so please be respectful for what I have to say. I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and these are the Keyblades from Kingdom Hearts 2 ranked from worst to best. Number 24, Sweet Memories. The worst Keyblade, in my opinion, is Sweet Memories. You get this Keyblade after you beat the fourth minigame in the Hunter Acre Wood which feels like a booby prize if anything. Yeah, the aesthetics look decent, but that doesn't help much. It's bad enough that this world feels forced, but why would they give you a Keyblade with zero buffs? Seriously, it's the only Keyblade in the game that has plus zero in both attack and magic. So what's the fucking point? To increase the drop rate of items? Even that's not worth my time. It goes without saying that I didn't have any sweet memories regarding this Keyblade. Number 23, Gullwing. Another Keyblade that's completely pointless. You get this Keyblade after me and the Goldwings during your third visit to Hollow Bastion. You know, after that one cutscene where Donald tells him that Leon has treasure, which we all know was bullshit, let's be real. But you know what's also bullshit? This Keyblade. It only gives you plus 2 in strength and plus 3 in magic, yet other Keyblades you obtain late game have much better stats. The only thing I like about this Keyblade is the literal Goldwing that makes up the T, and experience boost can be beneficial as an ability, but other than that, nothing. If you see the gold wings at Hall Bastion, just walk away. You don't want to end up with a shitty Keyblade. Number 22, Mysterious Abyss. Yet another Keyblade that isn't worth obtaining. You get this Keyblade after being Chapter 4 of Alantica, and go figure, it sucks. Only giving you plus 3 in both strength and magic, which is pretty fucking sad for a late game Keyblade. Granted, it looks better than Crab Claw, and Blizzard Boost can be useful in fighting Data Axel or something, yet you can't convince me to use it any further. All that time wasted, singing and dancing with Ariel and Sebastian for a Keyblade that might as well be banished to the Mysterious Abyss, if such a place exists. Hey, that rhymes. Number 21, Winner's Proof. Once again, another file makes exclusive Keyblade is ranked lower than one might guess. Yes, Winner's Proof has plus 5 in strength and plus 7 in magic, which is impressive, as well as having a great design featuring all 13 Mushroom Heartless, but that's the problem. Defeating the Mushrooms was a huge pain in the ass, especially Mushroom 8. Fans of the series know exactly what I'm talking about, and because you have access to other powerful Keyblades, it's not worth your time and sanity. I don't need a Keyblade like this to prove I'm a quote-unquote winner. Number 20, Hidden Dragon. You get this Keyblade after being your first visit to the Land of Dragons, and like most Keyblades you get from Disney World, you only find it useful for at least one world. 
Still, that's not the case with Hinge Dragon. I was never a big fan of this Keyblade to begin with, probably because of my indifference towards the Land of Dragons. Yet, it has a decent design, and MP Rage is good for restoring your magic, but its plus 2 in both attack and magic doesn't make it any more useful. There's definitely better options for early game Keyblades. Number 19. Star Seeker. This Keyblade is best known for being Valorform's default weapon after you obtain that set form at the Mysterious Tower. And sadly, that's the only thing this Keyblade is known for. By itself, Star Seeker isn't too special. Yeah, it has a cool design and you get early access to Air Combo Plus, but it has the exact same stats as the Kingdom Key, which is plus 3 in strength and plus 1 in magic, so there's really no point in using this Keyblade on its own. But hey, Mickey seems to love this Keyblade as shown in Birth by Sleep and Recoded, so who am I to judge what Mickey loves? Number 18. Follow the Winds. Port Royal was kind of a shitty world, let's be real, and the Keyblade you get after your first visit isn't much better. Again, only providing plus 3 in strength and plus 1 in magic, not to mention it's very dull aesthetics. However, I will give this Keyblade some credit for its ability, Draw, which for lack of a better word, draws in nearby orbs to restore your drive gauge. It's perfect for leveling up Master Form. Other than that, Follow the Wind is best kept in your inventory. Number 17. Photon Debugger. I love Space Paranoids, but this Keyblade kinda sucks. Not just because it only provides plus 3 in strength and plus 2 in magic, but honestly, its design could've been a lot better. At least Doldix from Dream Drop Distance had the right idea. There, I said it. Admittedly, Thunder Boost can be very useful at times. The ability speaks for itself. So, if you love using Thunder, then this Keyblade is for you. For me though, there's so many better options. Number 16. Monochrome. Or is it monochrome? I don't know, however the fuck you want to pronounce it. It's the aesthetics that win me over the most. You get this Keyblade after being Timeless River, and sadly, you only find use for it for like one or two worlds. Mainly due to its plus 3 in strength and plus 2 in magic, as well as having item boost for its ability. Despite that, this Keyblade does a great job at capturing the aesthetics of Steamboat Willy, mainly its Steam Cloud Particle effect. Still, it's hard for me to rank this Keyblade any higher. Number 15. Wishing Lamp. Thankfully, two of my wishes came true because Agrabug gives us a much better Keyblade, with stats including plus 4 in strength and plus 3 in magic, and a design that resembles, well, a wishing lamp. Sadly, my third wish about fixing the plot hasn't come true yet, and it probably never will, let's be honest. But in all seriousness, Wishing Lamp is still decent, yet depending on when you complete Agrabah's second visit, it's either useful or remains in your inventory. Oh yeah, before I forget, Jackpot isn't that exciting for an ability, unless you love collecting items. Number 14. Fatal Crest. After being the goddess of Fate Cup from Olympus, the residents of the Underworld are nice enough to give you a Keyblade. I'll admit, the Skeleton Dragon makes this Keyblade look dope as hell. Yet for some reason, I can't help but think about the Black Skull Dragon from Yu-Gi-Oh. I wonder if there's any connection. <laughs> anyway, this Keyblade gives you plus 3 in strength and plus 5 in magic, which is impressive, as well as Berserk Charge to provide endless combos. However, Fatal Crest gets overshadowed by other late game Keyblades, making it feel forgettable in a way. Number 13. Rumbling Rose. Yeah, I'll be honest, this Keyblade isn't nearly as good as Divine Rose both in terms of stats and design, only giving you plus 5 in strength and that design that looks like a downgrade if anything. As a token for helping Beast with his self-esteem, it could have been a lot better. Nonetheless, its ability finishing plus is amazing for pulling off great combos, so if you want extra power for your upcoming fight with Sultan, go for it, yet similar Keyblades outrank it. Number 12. Guardian Soul. You get this Keyblade after your second visit to Olympus, and at first glance, it shows a lot of promise with its fairly long reach and ability to raise damage from reaction commands, as well as having plus 5 in strength and plus 1 in magic. 
Those stats can be useful depending on when you obtain it. But just like Rumbling Rose, other Keyblades around that time do its job better. Honestly, looking at this Keyblade only makes me want to see Orin return. Come on, Square, you know you want to. Number 11, Sleeping Lion. Before visiting Tron for the second time, Leon being a real one gives you a Keyblade that's actually useful, having plus 5 in strength and plus 3 in magic, a very convenient ability that has combo plus, which speaks for itself. Not to mention that sleek design. It's almost like an amplified version of Lionheart, yet there's one thing that's keeping me from putting it in the top 10. And once again, it has to do with getting overshadowed by other Keyblades during its time of obtainment. Diehard fans of this Keyblade are probably wishing I'm slipping with the fishes right now. Or lions in this case. <laughs> Number 10. Hero's Crest. We're now in the top 10 starting with Hero's Crest, which you obtain after your first visit to Olympus. But unlike most early game Keyblades that's only good for like one or two worlds, this one feels very useful. Granted, it only gives you plus 4 in strength and a boost for air combos, that's so impressive for an early game Keyblade. Seriously, with this Keyblade, you can go through the rest of the Disney worlds without trouble. Or, if you're really feeling ballsy, the second visits to Twilight Town and Hollow Bastion respectively. It also has a solid design, yet I still think Olympia captures the Greek aesthetics better. Debatable? Probably. Even though I still prefer Olympia overall, this Keyblade still gets the job done. Number 9. Circle of Life. Sorry for my terrible singing, but come on, that was too perfect. <laughs> I remember using this Keyblade a lot during my recent playthroughs, mostly during the second visits to Twilight Town and Hollow Bastion, or if I'm feeling anxious, Halloween Town before Pride Lands, though some people probably miss out on this Keyblade because they're too stubborn to skip Pride Lands, which I think is bullshit because this Keyblade is great. Its design really captures the whole Lion King aesthetics. That plus 4 in strength and plus 1 in magic slightly makes it more viable than Hero's Crest, and PH came in clutch more times than necessary. And come on, when do you ever get a Keyblade BEFORE you complete a Disney World for the first time? That alone puts it in the top 10 by default. Number 8. Two Become One. It's another final mix Keyblade, but it's much better than Winter's Proof. You obtain this Keyblade after being Roxas in the world that never was, having plus 5 in strength and plus 4 in magic, making it viable to use late game. Though the symbolism is what I mostly love about it, as it represents Roxas rejoining Sora's heart after their encounter. Not to mention its very edgy design that screams light and darkness. Funny enough, it's also the name of this Keyblade's ability, which means your chances for unlocking Final Form will be much higher. Unlike in the original Kingdom Hearts 2 where it happens right the fuck out of nowhere. But you also have a high chance of activating Anti-Form, which fucking sucks. Still, if it means unlocking Final Form early, it's worth it. I recommend restarting the first round of the Server's Cup and activate your Drive Forms. But if you keep seeing Anti-Form, just keep restarting until the game decides it's time for you to earn Final Form. Tedious, I know. Number 7. Oathkeeper. This may come to a shock for most fans because if you recall, Oathkeeper was ranked pretty high last time. Second place to be more accurate. Spoilers, I guess. <laughs> but that doesn't mean Oathkeeper is terrible by all means. Like I mentioned, the Oathkeeper represents light with its angel-like design and that keychain that resembles Kyrie's lucky charm. I know, the proper term was Wayfinder, but this was still before Birth by Sleep. Anyway, the symbolism of Sora's bond with Kairi is what I mostly love about this Keyblade, as you obtain it after your second visit to Twilight Town. Of course, I'm talking about the scene where Sora learns Kairi gets kidnapped by Axel. Stat-wise, the Old Keeper only gives you plus 3 in both strength and magic this time. Which yeah, sounds like a downgrade. But at least it comes with ability to increase your duration of drive forms. As a guy who loves using drive forms, I definitely abuse the shit out of this ability, even during the late-slash-post game. I still love the Old Keeper, but its early obtaining makes it less useful than before, which is why I have to rank it lower, sadly. Number 6. Oblivion. 
I'm sure most of you saw this one coming. Oblivion has been a fan favorite for most Cage fans, and I don't blame them. It has an edgy design that represents darkness, which serves as a counterpart to the Oathkeeper. See, I didn't forget this time. <laughs> and the raw power it possessed. Equipped with plus 6 in strength and plus 2 in magic. Considering you get Oblivion after reuniting Riku at the world that never was, it's perfect to use late game, especially against the rest of the organization members and the final fight with Xemnas. And hell, even against the data fights, which is post-game, mind you. Honestly, the time you obtain Oblivion makes it better to use an Oathkeeper this time. That, along with its ability to quickly refill your drive gauge. Unfortunately, Oblivion once again finds itself outranked by other Keyblades. Nonetheless, it's still powerful as ever. Number 5. Kingdom Key Oh god, Eric, why? Why do you keep ranking the Kingdom Key higher than most people? Hey, what can I say? I love the basics. Once again, serving as this game's default weapon, people often regard the Kingdom Key as pathetic and quickly abolish it upon obtaining stronger Keyblades, but strength alone isn't the only thing to consider when looking at this Keyblade. Like I said, it's the iconic weapon of the series. Stat-wise, it's exactly the same as Starseeker, with only having plus 3 in strength and plus 1 in magic. The only difference would be its ability, damage control, which lowers the usual damage players take when their HP is at critical levels. That alone makes Kingdom Key viable in general. It's because of this ability that many people do Kingdom Key only runs when replaying this game, myself included. Granted, you can still attempt that in Cage 1, but say to assume that Cage 2 is the best game to do a Kingdom Key only run. Or maybe Cage 3 is just as good or possibly outranks it. I don't know, I'll have to do my research when the time comes. Yes, the Kingdom Key is still basic as ever, yet I can't deny how much more viable it feels compared to the last game. Number 4. Bond of Flame F's in the Discord server for Axel. <laughs> If you couldn't already tell, the symbolism is what ranks this Keyblade pretty high for me, considering you obtain it after Axel sacrificed himself to save Sora. In honor of Axel, I remember beating this game for the first time with this Keyblade alone, even though stat-wise, it pales in comparison to other late-game Keyblades, with it only having plus 4 in both strength and magic. Still, it felt great to blaze through the rest of the game with this Keyblade, pun intended this time. And design-wise, come on, it looks so badass. I mean, it's supposed to represent Axel, so what you expect? with its teeth and blade strongly resembling Axel's chakrams. I hope I said that right. This was the closest thing we had to wielding those set weapons at the time, before 358 Days gave us a shady interpretation. But that's going off topic. Its fire boost ability is great for those who love using fire, and it's the perfect method to fight against data effects and endemics, respectively. Seriously, all you need is Bond of Flame, Fire Boost, and activate either Wisdom or Final Form, then you can watch those two burst into flames. Again, pun intended. Number 3. Ultima Weapon Yes, you heard right. We have the ultimate weapon in the top 3. Eric, didn't you say you hated the ultimate weapon because you have to make it? Yes, I did. But that was during Cage 1. Here, in Cage 2, it's a lot easier. Or I should say Cage 2 Final Mix because it's the version I'm referring to. Either way, it's not as convoluted or time consuming. Granted, farming the required synthesis items can still be annoying, yet for once, it feels worth it. As expected, the ultimate weapon has incredible stats. Equipped with plus 6 in strength and plus 4 in magic, and has an ability that's basically a better version of MP Haste, making it the most ideal weapon to use during the post game, not to mention having a better design than its KH1 version, but that's debatable. The only reason why the ultimate weapon isn't ranked higher is because you can still beat the secret bosses without it, but if you have time to spare, then creating this Keyblade will be well worth it. Number 2 Fenrir. At second place, we have Fenrir. If you guys saw Metal Chocobo or One Winged Angel scream fan service, Wait until you see this shit. After beating Sephiroth and witnessing him and Cloud disappear to parts unknown, Tifa gives you a token of gratitude. 
and lo and behold, it's one of the best Keyblades you can ask for. Right off the bat, I love Fenrir's design. Not only does it really capture the essence of Final Fantasy VII, but it's the closest thing we have to wielding the Buster Sword in these games. Also, Fenrir is one of those rare Keyblades that's actually stronger than the Ultimate Weapon, having plus 7 in strength and a single boost in magic. So yeah, it's definitely built around brute force, which is all you really need to handle the data battles and lingering will. Well, for me at least. And its ability negative combo slightly lowers the amount of combos you can unleash midair on the ground. That may sound like a detriment, but considering how fucking floaty Sora is in these games, it's not that bad when you think about it. At the end of the day, if you don't want to waste time making the ultimate weapon, then Fenrare is more than capable of being this game's ultimate weapon. Yet there's one keyblade left that tops it. Number 1. Decisive Pumpkin My favorite keyblade from Kingdom Hearts 2 is Decisive Pumpkin, and my god is it amazing. Once again, Halloween Town surprises me by giving us a powerful keyblade despite the world itself having problems. Go listen to my first two Kingdom Hearts world ranking episodes if you want to know what my criticisms are, because I know all you Halloween Town lovers are losing your shit right now. <laughs> anyway, Decisive Pumpkin has one of the best designs in the entire series, with it being a combination of Halloween Town's Dragon Fountain thing and a candy cane. Literally, it has the best of both worlds within the world itself. Stat-wise, it comes with plus 6 in strength and a boost in magic and combos, which is impressive. But here's the best part. Decisive Pumpkin is so powerful that it can be used for the rest of the game if you really want to. Seriously, with this Keyblade, the rest of the Second World visits, Roxas, and the final fights with Xemnas felt like a cakewalk. Hell, Decisive Pumpkin even finds itself useful in the post-game. Whether you're fighting Sephiroth, the enemies at the Cavern of Remembrance, the Data Organization, and of course, Learning Will. I was like, holy shit. It's perfect for those who want a strong Keyblade without the need of crafting it or being a secret boss beforehand. Decisive Pumpkin was and continues to be my favorite Keyblade from Kingdom Hearts 2, and I highly recommend using it if you ever decide to replay this game. And that's all the Kingdom Hearts 2 Keyblades ranked from worst to best. Like I said before, Square must have realized how unbalanced the Keyblade selection was in the first game, so they want to make them better and more diverse, which is why the Keyblades are much better to use in future games. However, I'm thinking about putting this mini-series on a hold for a little bit, because next year marks Kingdom Hearts' 20th anniversary, and I have a lot of plans to celebrate. So yeah, get ready to see a lot of Kingdom Hearts episodes on top of this miniseries in 2022. Anyway, how would you rank the Keyblades from KH2? You can let us know in our Discord server. A link will be provided as always at one to our Instagram page, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all available platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and even iHeartRadio. And if you want more geeky content, check out Nuclear Bacon's Cryptolock Games and Carabite on Twitch. Thank you all for listening, and may your hearts be your guiding key.